And welcome in to an emergency edition of the DNVR Broncos podcast. It's like we never left in the first place, guys. Uh, Ryan Konigsberg here, of course, joined by Zach Stevens and Andrew Mason. And the Denver Broncos officially have their new GM. It is George Payton. Not not Patton. George Payton, assistant GM of uh, the Minnesota Vikings previously. And let's just start uh, with your instant reactions. Mace, I'll start with you. Well, it's it's funny. We were all a little concerned. Oh, what is going back to Minnesota mean? That was our original podcast today. Turned out it meant bupkis. Meant absolutely nothing. Uh, George Payton had kind of emerged as the favorite uh, based on the smoke singles coming out of Dove Valley over the last few days. Certainly, I think the Broncos were attracted to his experience level, his work with Rick Spielman, both in Miami and, and Minnesota. And uh, it it's it's a it's probably the the low the most low risk hire of the possibilities in front of the Broncos with the five guys that that they brought in and Peyton certainly based on his career his experience level clearly ready to make this jump to general manager after two decades plus working in personnel around the NFL somebody who's earned this shot. Yes, the, this is guys. This wasn't just the Broncos' number one choice. This entire process, and they were able to land him. This has been a top GM candidate. Like I said earlier, before the Broncos even hired him, for the past many years around the league, he got to choose exactly which job he wanted. And after years of waiting for the right one, he landed on the Broncos, and that has to be so exciting for the Broncos. And I'll tell you what. He knows how to get a fan base fired up right away. If His initial statement has something in here that says, in many ways, I feel like the Broncos are a sleeping giant. Holy cow. I mean, it, initially, guys, the Broncos got the right guy, and fans are just going to be pumped about this. Yeah, uh, I think that was my biggest takeaway is he has been picky. Uh, and clearly Denver checked off some boxes for him that places like Cleveland and the Jets uh, hadn't checked off. And, and so, you know, he's had an opportunity like this before. He has passed on it. He is taking the job here. And, Zach, that sleeping giant quote, I feel that one is going to live here. You know, that one is going to uh, – that one will be remembered, you know, in the same – maybe in the same vein as death by inches. Um that, you know, I was already thinking of slogans for next season as, you know, awake the giant. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that that is what the Broncos are. You know, they're a story branches who have done it time and time again. Uh, they've reached the mountaintop in the last five years. Uh, so, you know, this team is a sleeping giant. They're ready to get back. And and George Patton, Peyton, hopefully <laughs> is, is the guy to get them there. Well, you mentioned Cleveland and the Jets. And as opportunities that he bypassed, well, what is the track record of success for Cleveland and the Jets in recent decades? And we mentioned earlier this morning talking about how he was on the Vikings radar. He had interviewed. There was the Spielman connection. Of course, he worked under Rick Spielman in Minnesota. Chris Spielman, Rick's brother, is deeply involved with the Lions hiring. But the same thing there. What have the Lions done in recent decades? Nothing. The Broncos have done a lot of something in the last three decades, they do have that history. And even with everything, you know, in flux regarding ownership, uh, the quarterback thing issue to be resolved. 
it's still an it's still an organization that has some attractive assets. A, the fact that it has won, like you said, in recent times, and B, a a robust, rabid fan base. Maybe something that you can't say for the Lions after all these years, for example. And also the Broncos can be thankful that they're located in Denver, as according to some reports, that was a huge tipping point. He and his family love Minnesota, uh, have loved it there. But that was a big thing that separated the Broncos from other teams the past couple of years. Guys, to me, there's no question I'd rather be in Denver than Detroit, Denver than Cleveland, and of course, Denver than Minnesota. So that that that's big right there. You know, we talked with Mike Munchak about how, you know, the Broncos can thank his family being here. Well, Broncos can thank Denver for, for being the place that they are for George Payton. And this this is a huge hire, guys. And to me, any questions about how much power this GM would have, gone out the window with George Payton being the guy. He is not only going to have final say, but this is going to be his staff. Uh, I believe according to Mike Kliss, that's his first thing that he's going to do on the job is build his own staff, start interviewing people that are in Denver to see if he wants them on his own staff. And so that that's huge because a general manager needs that. You, you don't need meddling when it comes to your general manager, and there's going to be none of that. And also something we talked about just a couple hours ago, Six-year deal. George is going to be able to sit back and do what he wants. It's not going to be on a rush timeline or anything like that. Yeah, and yeah. that six-year deal with it, if you change owners, means either you're, that owner is eating a heavy contract and no one wants to do that, or they're letting it ride with George Payton. So there's, uh, I, I wonder if when this interview process went along and as we've heard, it was as much the candidates questioning John Elway and Joe Ellis and Vic Fangio as the three of them asking the candidate questions. I wonder if that is something that kind of came into play in the discussion saying, and Peyton may be thinking, all right, if this is going to change, I want to make sure that I'm covered secure and secure on this in terms of a contract that if does, if it doesn't confer longevity, at least confers that I'm getting paid no matter what. Absolutely. Uh, quickly, if you're watching on YouTube, we'd love to hit us with a thumbs up on this video. Um, that always helps us. Also, you can, of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel and even sign up for alerts every time we go live, just like that. Uh, appreciate everyone who's watching. And also, if you're watching on Periscope and not having as good of a connection as you would hope, check out the YouTube link. It's on my Twitter, uh, at Ryan Konigsberg. I sent that out a little bit before I sent out the Periscope link, so you can scope it there uh, if you're having any connection issues. All right, guys. Uh, a couple other things uh, reports-wise that came out that I found to be interesting. And one thing that, that I like to see, um, I mentioned to you guys early on in the search process that I would love to see Brittany Bowen be more involved in this search because of course you know she could very potentially be the next owner of this team you want that um relationship to get off on the right foot we were kind of originally told she wouldn't be a very big part of the process and now uh it comes out later from adam schefter that she met uh with george payton they talked about uh pat Bowen's legacy and and that I love that. I love that they were able to make that happen. I love that they were able to do that. And again, the team could be sold. And a lot of people think that that is the likely scenario here uh, is that, you know, the team will eventually be sold mostly because of Joella saying that all the kids will have to be on board with uh, whoever they choose. But let's say they do all get on board with Brittany Bolin, who 
I think is trending up recently, especially with some of the comments made by Joe Ellis. You love that these two got to meet and get off on the right foot. Absolutely. And they met for over an hour yesterday. And of course, I, I love seeing that. And it wasn't just Brittany talking to him about the job and, and them interviewing each other, but it was also Brittany telling her or, or telling him about what Pat has meant to the Broncos, what what his ideas were for the Broncos and, and for him to carry that along. So I, you love to see that. You love seeing it, and uh, also for somebody coming from the outside. I mean, the, the the Broncos have you know mostly been an insular organization in terms of uh, the the hires at GM or head coach. You know, there's often been some connections. Like for example, you know, John Elway, of course, played for the team, and Gary Kubiak, you know, played for the t- played for the team and, and coached for the team. And Vance Joseph ha- had uh, a CU connection and knew Matt Russell uh, very, very well going into uh, the process of his hiring. And now we've seen in the last couple of cycles, they bring in Vic Fangio, who didn't have a connection and has had his own ideas. You can debate in any number of forums whether they've worked or not. And now you have someone coming in, George Payton, who's going to have his own ideas, but good for him to kind of to, to talk with Brittany Bowen and kind of, you know, get to the, uh, get to the bottom of, of Pat Bowen's legacy, because you do want somebody who's going to uphold the standard that existed here for so long even if they're coming in with their own ideas. And that's kind of the right mix. Someone who, who gets Pat Bowen's standard knows that, that this is not, this is not Cleveland. This is not Tampa Bay. It's not okay to, to get by, to get by and lose year after year after year, understands the accountability, but also brings his own ideas and perspective into this, which is something I think the Broncos need right now. And guys, this is stability beyond just beyond just this year. And John Elway has to feel great about the hands he's leaving the Broncos in because this isn't just a guy that John Elway fell in love with and that they had a great steak dinner at Elway's with. No, this is a guy who who is so highly viewed around the NFL. It's going to be really hard for a new owner to come in next year, whether it's Brittany, whether it's someone else, and say, ah, oh, man, I really don't like George Payton because that's just not what NFL circles think of him. They really like him. So, of course, not just the six-year contract, but this is a guy that's going to be really hard not to like, especially just one year on the job. Um, a couple you know, feathers in the cap of uh, George Payton go through some of his draft hits. It actually kind of sounds a lot like John Elway with the places that they've been able to find really good talent. Uh, of course, this most recent year, drafting Justin Jefferson uh, has proven to be a incredible pick. I wonder if they had a conversation about Jefferson and Judy, and you know where he stood on Judy and, and Jefferson before. Um, uh, they got uh, Dalvin Cook in the second round a couple of years ago. Uh, Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter was a third round pick. Stephon Diggs was a fifth round pick. Um, and they got Adam Thielen as an undrafted free agent. Uh, so, you know, you look, they've been able to find talent. Kyle Rudolph as a second-round pick while he was there. Uh, Everson Griffin as a fourth-round pick. They've really found talent all over the place. Uh, and, of course, everyone has their hits and has their misses. Uh, but it does kind of remind me of John Elway in the way that, you know, they've been able to uh, mine all areas of player acquisition to find really good players. 
Although what is interesting, if you look at his bio on the Vikings website, uh, there's this paragraph on George Payton says Payton's primary focus is to coordinate scouting and personnel functions within the Vikings pro scouting department and lend his expertise to the college scouting department as they prepare for the annual NFL draft. So the college stuff is relevant, but maybe more relevant in telling the story of George Payton is what they've done in terms of pro personnel. And that's where it's particularly interesting when we start breaking down what this means for the quarterback position because while the Vikings, they've they've swung at a couple of first-rounders during Peyton's time with Christian Ponder in 2011 and Teddy Bridgewater in 2014, but kind of the bigger story of the Vikings quarterback picture in, ter- in Peyton's time there is what they brought in in free agency, and that would be under George Payton's watch because you go back, of course, they have Kirk Cousins right now. They had Brett Favre getting the last great year out of him. And then before that, Gus Farratt. And as I'll detail in the story I'm working on, the Gus Farratt pickup in 2008 may be the one that tells us the most about what the Broncos might do this year. Well, the what what George Payton has done with the Minnesota Vikings, I guess what the Vikings have done when George Payton's been there when it comes to the quarterback position, is they've done everything. They've taken all the big swings, and sometimes they've hit, sometimes they've missed, but they've traded a first-round pick for a quarterback. They've used multiple first-round picks on quarterbacks, uh, and they've also spent big-time free agent money on quarterbacks. So that tells you that every option can be open for the Broncos moving forward, including also trying to develop Drew Locke. Although if you do look at at what the Vikings have done, typically quarterbacks don't get that much time to develop under the Vikings. So that could be an interesting thing to keep in mind as well. And really quick, circling back to Ryan's thought about looking at the draft and and where he's been successful is in the 14 years that, that Peyton's been with, uh, with the Vikings, they use, they've used 12 picks in the first three rounds on defensive backs and five of them of five first round picks in the last 14 years on defensive backs. Uh, And what do the Broncos potentially need? a cornerback with that ninth overall pick. Uh, The Vikings under George Payton have used two first-round picks on quarterbacks, five first-round picks on defensive backs. That's something that, you know, an area of the Broncos certainly have an eye on is both of those positions, and they certainly have expertise in that. And here's a quote uh, that I think most people will find notable from George Payton in the original press release here. I believe in hard work, the grind, and not taking any shortcuts to achieve our goals. Drafting and developing players is the number one priority. We will be aggressive, but not reckless in adding talent to our roster. What do you guys read into that? No shortcuts is interesting because if you could accuse El- if you could accuse Elway of one shortcoming in the last few years, it has been looking for the shortcut back to the playoffs, back to relevance. And sometimes because of how things went early in John Elway's time, they go from four and 12 to eight and eight. And then that following off season, bam, they get Peyton Manning and the Broncos. They found the shortcut when John Elway got there. And that can kind of delude you into thinking that there are other shortcuts. And what Peyton says in that statement is, quite the opposite that you can't take that you can't take the shortcut that you can't necessarily microwave it and especially i think looking at the division the broncos are in staring down patrick mahomes at the top of the division with the chiefs i don't think a shortcut's going to do you any good 
Well, and so two things when I hear that. The first is, okay, well, he he can't fully mean that because it's not like the Vikings didn't try to take a little shortcut with Kirk Cousins and pay him the, you know, almost $100 million in guaranteed money. So I don't think this eliminates, his statement eliminates potentially getting a Matthew Stafford or something like that. But I do like to hear that mentality coming from him. But it doesn't just mean, okay, we're going to draft a quarterback and give him 10 years to succeed. But the other thing that that means to me, specifically the draft and develop part is hello Justin Simmons that's got to be good news for him coming back because he didn't say we're going to draft and develop guys and then let them walk it's it's about drafting and developing guys and keeping them in your building once you get them there and that Justin Simmons may be the perfect example of a guy John Elway's done that too George Payton doesn't want to come in and, and, and let an all pro walk out especially one that's been in the building since he's been drafted yeah, I, I love the no shortcuts uh, mentality. Now, I think most p- people want to say that when they get hired anyway, anywhere. It also kind of shows you that they're planning on this being a, a build. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the way the Denver Nuggets have done things, and, you know, their whole motto is we don't skip steps. It's the same sort of thing. Uh, and they've improved year over year over year over year. Um, and I think – uh, there's always a time when you strike. And so I don't think signing Kirk Cousins was a shortcut. Uh, I think this was a team that had made it to the NFC Championship game uh, with the roster that they had in Case Keenum at quarterback. And they look back and say, uh, and they looked at their team and said, the next step is to make a big splash, to go after the last piece. And they ended up being wrong about that. But, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking is, Prepare the roster to be ready to strike and then strike when you have that opportunity. And, and that might be, that, that could mean a lot of things. Um, but I sort of feel like it, it doesn't rule out a Matt Stafford, but I sort of feel like it might be good news for Drew Locke. Uh, if you're not trying to take shortcuts and you're willing to draft and develop, uh, you know, that's a lot of people would argue. And I would be one of them that Drew Locke is in the process of that development. Uh, and for a lot of people, it's not been fast enough, which I understand. You know, the Broncos have been losing for long enough that people's patience is short. But you know, if if you're gonna de- if you're gonna wait to develop, if you're gonna put a, pr- a a priority on developing, well, then you know, Drew Locke would be your number one person that you want to develop. But well, there's a limit to that, and I think that's why it's sort of that the 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 Farad Traveris Jackson comparison that I'm getting into in my piece is really fascinating because. Jackson, there are a lot of parallels between Traveris Jackson going into, into 08 to Drew Locke and where he stands right now, right down to the fact that they were both second-round picks. And they came out that season in 08, and Jackson, they gave they were gonna give him that they were gonna give him that year, but they had Farad as the hedge, and 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 Peyton knew Farad from back with his time with Miami and actually helped bring him into Miami in 05. And when Jackson struggled right out of the blocks at 0-2. They turned to Farrat and they won eight of the next 11 games and put themselves in a position to win the division. And so I'm kind of looking at this and thinking they'll, they're going to give Drew Locke a shot, but I think now the veteran hedge maybe looks more likely today than it did before. And, and with Vic Fangio basically in a winner else year, Drew Locke might not have a long leash 
if they believe enough in the veteran Hedge to bring him in and try to salvage the season. Yeah, this doesn't – hiring George Payton and, and his statement there doesn't change my view on how the Broncos will view Drew Locke. I still think every option is on the table. And because George Payton – Drew Locke is not a George Payton guy. You know, that the Minnesota Vikings did pass up on him. And, of course, they did have Kirk Cousins there, so that's not a surprise. Uh, but but he he's a new guy, so he may want his own guy, and, and he may come in with the mentality of – I never want this team to be picking in the top 10 again. This is going to be the closest that I have to get a top quarterback in the draft. So I still think all of those options are on the table. And something else that that just can't be ignored, in the 14 seasons that Peyton was in there in Minnesota, and of course he wasn't the top guy calling the shots, we have to point that out, but the Vikings had 16 different starting quarterbacks. And some of that was due to injury, but also if you look, they they give guys short leashes there in Minnesota. Again, maybe that's not Peyton. But he's he he was you know a right hand man there, so that's something that we we need to take into account. And maybe Peyton says the way Drew Locke finished the season that seven touchdowns to two interceptions that earns another season. Maybe he says uh, he did that one year before too, seven touchdowns, three interceptions, and it didn't turn into anything the next year. I want my guy in here, so that's why I'm still at the same spot of okay, let's not rush to any judgments on the quarterback. I think every option's still on the table. The one thing, though, with Minnesota, Zach, is I don't think we're having that same conversation about having so many quarterbacks if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't suffer that horrific injury that he did in in the preseason of 2016. Every sign was that he was going to be their guy long term. And then sort of the kind of the follow up to that is they trade for Sam Bradford and Sam Bradford actually played really well in 16 into 17. But then his knee gave way. So some of the instability some of it is, hey, we're going to sign Brett Favre, and he's going to be a two-year guy. But some of it is also fortune not working in their favor at the quarterback position health-wise. Well, it's not yeah. like they gave Christian Ponder five years to develop yeah. either, though. I mean, they, they, they were fairly quick to move on from him, and rightfully so. That that was the good move there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, you know, injuries happen, and so you just have to look at how things developed. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people forget the way things were trending with Teddy Bridgewater. They really thought he was their guy. Uh, he, he, you know, I remember him giving the Broncos a tough game uh, in 2015. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's unfortunate what happened with Teddy, of course. Um, but also, you, you know, you look at all the different types of quarterbacks that they had in there, and it really doesn't close the door on anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you look into the draft or you look into free agency, you can kind of point and say, well, yeah, that that guy kind of fits that mold and that guy kind of fits a different mold. And that guy's more like Teddy Bridgewater where that guy's more like Kirk Cousins. So uh, I, I, I like the fact that, you know, all options are on the table at quarterback and they should be. And of course, trading for Deshaun Watson should be on the table too. And you know, if you're George Payton, you should be on the phone finding out what, what that's going to cost. Well, you know, on your first day on the job, you might as well. Absolutely. Well, why would you not explore that? And boy, how George, I mean, he's already getting a warm welcome to Denver. What would that mean for him? Build a statue. (laughs) (laughs) And John Elway, you build another statue for him on his way out. Uh, He, if, if they trade for Deshaun Watson, then George Payton gets every last day of his six year contract. (laughs) Yeah. He'll probably be getting another one. He gets the, he gets the Super Bowl grace period. You know what? I think uh, Peyton Manning hasn't opened a a steakhouse in Denver yet. So maybe George Peyton would step in and build a a Peyton steakhouse in that, in that point. Peyton and Peyton get it, get them together. (laughs) There you go. That's a hell of a combo right there. Yeah. I just extend him tomorrow. 
Uh, <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he got uh, Deshaun Watson in here, but of course, that's merely a dream. Um, anything else you guys taken away from the first you know, few moments here uh, as George uh, Payton has become the Denver Broncos GM? You know, he released a little 15-second statement on the Broncos' Twitter account, and at the end, he throws up a little peace sign, a little deuce. I mean, th- this is going to be someone, and, and listening to his statement, that everyone's going to get behind initially. And of course, the winning is going to determine it all. But this is a guy that I think everyone's going to get behind. And it's not necessarily the easiest thing to step into John Elway's shoes. But when you get a veteran guy to come in here, the most experienced guy, one of the highly most highly viewed guys around the NFL, uh, it, it's going to be a, a good use unity point for the Broncos and that's something they needed because we know a lot of people were split on John Elway as a general manager we know a lot of people are split on Drew Locke it's gonna be nice to have a guy that everyone can rally around well he's he's got the honeymoon period that's everyone's gonna rally around him right now in the moment I'd say really he's probably got about a a one a one year honeymoon uh and hopefully then he's he's settling in but everything's new and exciting. Let's. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what his philosophy is now. He is in the big chair because we talk about all this stuff with the Vikings. But he was only advising. He wasn't making the call. It was Rick Spielman making the call. And certainly Peyton, you don't survive as long as you do with one organization without being a good soldier and getting and getting in line, even if you disagree with something, uh, not letting that disagreement get get out. But I wonder what choices Peyton might make that are different than the ones that Rick Spielman would have made now that he's sitting in the big chair. That's what I'm most fascinated to see. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting. I feel a sense of relief uh, that the Broncos have their guy and uh, you know, that John Elway can kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, get out of the way a little bit. Uh, I think it was, you know, weighing on Denver that the most iconic figure in Denver sports history um, wasn't helping the Broncos get out of this hole. And and while, you know, they had some nice drafts over the last couple of years and maybe they were getting it back together in the post-Peyton Manning era, I just felt like it was, it was a cloud over the city. Uh, and, and, you know, there were a lot of people who kind of knew that John Elway's time should be up as GM but didn't want to pull the plug on him. And it just feels like a little bit of a sense of relief that John Elway can move into this, you know, whatever you want to call it, his, his president of football operations role. And a new person can kind of come in, bring fresh ideas, fresh blood, new ideologies, new approaches to the game, uh, all that stuff. I feel relieved uh, that the Broncos finally have a, new, a true new direction. John Elway's last move with the guy is final say, if he had final say on this, appears to be a really good one. And only time will tell uh, if it ends up being that way. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, we'd love if you hit us with a thumbs up. Uh, we, of course, will be talking about this at length the rest of the week on the DNVR Broncos podcast. So make sure you subscribe to that on iTunes or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Uh, but for now, thank you guys all for watching with us. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.